Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, April 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Google parent Alphabet says it's already seeing the first signs of recovery. Fitch downgrades Italy's credit rating, and President Donald Trump orders U.S. meat processing plants to stay open despite concerns over coronavirus. Plus, economics correspondent Delphine Strauss explains why statisticians are having such a hard time measuring inflation during the pandemic and whether they can do anything to fix it. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Google says that its internet search business stabilized in April after a sharp downturn at the end of March. It's an early sign of recovery for the tech group. Yesterday, parent company Alphabet released its first quarter earnings. Now, it did say that growth slowed to 13% compared to the end of last year when it hit 18% growth. The coronavirus crisis ate into some of the company's most important areas of online advertising, but the revenue slowdown was less severe than what Wall Street had expected. Despite the overall slowdown, YouTube's revenue grew by 33% in the quarter. It was slightly more than the previous three months, which was the first time Alphabet disclosed financial details about the video site. Google's cloud business also kept pace, with Chief Executive Sundar Pichai predicting that the division would continue to do well in the crisis. That's because businesses were relying more heavily on digital services like advertising and cloud computing. The price of Alphabet shares was up about 8% in after-hours trading on Tuesday. Meanwhile, yesterday, Fitch downgraded Italy's credit rating to a single notch above junk status. The rating agency said it expects the country's ratio of debt to gross domestic product to rise about 20 percentage points this year to 156%. And Fitch says this level of debt, combined with a contracting economy and more spending, will add to investor concerns about the sustainability of the country's bonds, thus the move to a triple B-minus rating. Fitch is the second agency to rate Italy's debt a single notch above junk. Keep in mind that if two of the three rating bodies were to strip it of investment-grade status, then Italy's bonds would be axed from many widely followed indices, which would force some investors to offload their share of the country's debt. On Sunday, the chairman of the largest American meat company, Tyson Foods, took out space in three U.S. newspapers to publish a warning. The bottom line, he said, is that the country's food supply chain is breaking, which could mean shortages of what people eat. Getting food to customers and restaurants is difficult in the current lockdown environment, and anticipating customer spending habits is just as tough. All the while, companies like Tyson are wrestling with how to keep processing plants open if they want to keep workers from catching coronavirus. Tyson has been forced to close three of its slaughterhouses in the past week because of the disease. We've had big, big pork and beef and chicken processing plants have to fully close down because all of these workers are working in very close proximity and infecting each other with coronavirus. That's the FT's trade reporter in Washington, Amy Williams. Yesterday, President Donald Trump issued an executive order requiring meat processing plants to stay open as concerns over food shortages grow. Everyone agrees that U.S. produce needs to get to supermarkets and to U.S. tables, but also we need to protect the workers who are working in those plants. And so far, balance doesn't seem to have been found Amy has more on the order and what it means for the industry. 
Well, the Defense Production Act is a really old law. Uh, it was passed in the 1950s during the Korean War, and it allows the U.S. government to compel companies to make certain things that they need. So we've seen Donald Trump use this already to make some companies. GM is one. Uh, General Motors make ventilators. We haven't yet seen him use it on the food supply chain. So this would be the first example of him doing that. So it would require them to actually keep producing meat, even if they want to shut down their plants, if I understand this correctly. Exactly. So it would effectively mandate them to keep those plants open, uh, whereas so far there have been a whole swathe of plants across several U.S. states that have had to shut down because there have just been really intense coronavirus outbreaks among workers there. And this executive order, we don't really know how that will play out. For sure, these companies, if they keep these plants open, will have to be so, so careful that they're protecting their workers and that there are screens between people and that workers have proper PPE, protective equipment to stop them from passing this virus to each other when they're working. So, Amy, turning back to production, how have supply chain issues been affecting things? For meat specifically, it's looking a little bit shaky there. About 30% of slaughter capacity at pork plants specifically is down. It's about 15% for beef plants. And the situation is getting worse, it looks like. There are just a lot of new closures being announced here and there. I mean, it's getting increasingly difficult for farmers to get their pigs and to get their cows to these slaughterhouses and then to the supermarket. And coronavirus-driven store closures and the freeze in large areas of consumer spending have made it impossible to accurately produce a key economic figure, inflation. This leaves a big gap in the ability policymakers have to track how lockdowns and stimulus measures are affecting the economy. Delphine Strauss, our economics correspondent, has been looking into the issue. She starts us off with a quick reminder on how inflation is usually tracked. What statisticians try to do is to measure overall inflation in an economy by tracking price changes for a basket of goods and services that's meant to be representative of consumer spending. And that basket is weighted again to reflect how important each item is in a typical household's spending. What that means in practice is that they go out each month to collect literally thousands of prices from all kinds of different outlets, covering hundreds of different foodstuffs, clothing, transport, energy prices, and then services from hairdressing to funerals, dating agencies, the lot. At the moment, they can't send researchers out on the ground to stores. They can't necessarily get the same kind of coverage from phone surveys that they normally would when people are working from home. The bigger problem, though, is that people aren't spending money on the same things that they usually do. So there are whole areas of consumption that have simply shut down. And then people are spending more than they normally would on food and other essentials. Right. I mean, I mean, you only have to look at Twitter to see that people are making quarantine buys that they normally wouldn't. So, Delphine, how has the latest data for March been affected by changes in behavior resulting from the lockdown? For most countries, the data for March hasn't been very badly affected because it's only in a couple of European countries where the lockdown started earlier. But obviously, as time goes on, the problem gets bigger. There are far more prices that will be missing in April. 
And then the problem of whether the baskets are representative or not is a much longer running one. Right, right. Of course. And now the Fed's rate setting committee is meeting today. Can you remind us why capturing an accurate picture of inflation is so important to policymakers, especially right now? So it matters for policymakers for quite a few reasons. Right now, this crisis is causing a huge slump in demand. We've got oil prices crashing. Overall, it looks deflationary. As economies start to recover, it's not entirely clear cut which way things are going to go. We're still going to have a big hit to consumer demand, but there is also supply disruption that could be quite long running, labour shortages that could be long running, and those could push up prices in other areas. It's important for central banks to know what's going on on the ground because there's already a big debate with people arguing on one side that these exceptional stimulus measures central banks have put in place will be putting us all on the path to hyperinflation, sort of Weimar style. And then on the other side, there are people saying that, you know, we could be looking at a very long running recession that will push lots of economies into deflation. So Delphine, if all these other measures aren't working, are there other ways to track inflation? The logistical problems, there's quite a lot they can do. There are some countries that already track prices entirely remotely. The Netherlands does it through scanner data and through web scraping. And most countries are now very rapidly seeing how they can do more of that. The problem is it may be a little erratic at first, not completely comparable with previous data. But again, the longer it goes on, the harder it gets to get it right. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. One more thing before I go. You might have missed it earlier in the week, but we have a special offer right now. It's for a really helpful email newsletter called the Coronavirus Business Update. Visit ft.com slash newsbriefingcovid to get free access for 30 days to the Coronavirus Business Update. It's a level-headed email briefing on how the pandemic is affecting global markets, business, and workplaces. Just go to ft.com slash newsbriefingcovid. 